0: This podcast is a conversation between an architect and an anthropologist, and I'd like to introduce the anthropologist, which is Thomas Yarrow, who's just written this wonderful book, Architects, Portraits of a Practice, which we're going to deconstruct a little. And so Thomas Yarrow is an anthropologist at Durham University, and I suppose to put his work in the broadest context, he works on is very interested in knowledge as a social practice. In this book it's a book about architects and I'm an architect who still has one foot in practice but also an academic. Uh, My name is Prue Childs. So welcome Tom and thank you very much for this book. So if we could start perhaps about you being an anthropologist and about how as an anthropologist you came to this project?
1: Thanks, Poo. So I guess there's lots of different ways that I could tell the story of the genesis of this book. One is at a more academic level. As you say, I've always been interested in knowledge as a social practice and really what it means to, to claim to know things with authority and, and what that actually looks like in a very kind of everyday register, what kinds of dilemmas arise, what's the kind of the, the personal but also the intellectual kind of substance of that knowing um, so that's, and, and, and as part of that, I've had various projects which have had touched on architecture, but never kind of um, as the main focus. And so in this project, which also um, partly and importantly had its genesis in a much longer and older friendship um, with Thomas Miller, who's the, the um, one of the practice partners of, of the um, architectural practice that the book focuses on, And Thomas really is my oldest um, friend. I've known him actually longer than even I can remember. Our, our parents were, were friends and we always met up. So I've seen, um, um, his life before architecture was even part of it. And then how it got tangled up in architecture and how he made sense of himself through architecture and not always in an easy way, sometimes slightly falling out or rejecting it, or there was a period where um he practiced really trying um, uh, doing he wanted to d- connect design and, and build so he spent a long time as a sort of builder basically so i've I've sort of traced it and, ch- and charted that and i suppose this book was a culmination of that friendship in a lot of ways um but it was there was a shift in a sense and to some extent slightly awkwardly although productively that um an interest in, you know, with him about the world and all these projects that we did, we went traveling together, we built things together, then became slightly asymmetrically kind of more academic interest of mine in, in his world. And so although I hope the book is a kind of, um, uh, it's not about that friendship in, in any sense, but it's certainly that friendship was an important kind of context. And I think without that, it would have been difficult to have sort of had the Intimacy and yeah. the, and the trust really to tell the story in the way that I told it
0: well it, exactly, and that's uh, what comes out of it for me in such a generous way is that the book starts with the premise of you in a way being enchanted with the kind of architectural world the architectural life through your friends and your upbringing and um, uh, and I I really when I was reading it felt that you were having to think about your ways of working, uh, your ways of uh analyzing this practice because of your uh of your deep knowledge of of one of the participants in this study. And so maybe we could talk a bit now in a bit more detail um about your approach to your sort of ethnography because you say very clearly and I don't want to say everything you say by any means but um, you say very clearly that uh, the book is written on a number of levels that you can read it in a number of different ways and I got very involved in looking at great long footnotes that you write where a whole other academic world of literature appears as well so but I think this is this is to me in a way the most interesting thing about The book is Your Processes of Writing, Your Ethnographic Processes of Writing. So can you say a little bit uh, about that and why you wrote the book like you wrote it and a little bit maybe about the structure of the book
1: yeah i mean and maybe if i just step back even before that then i could say a little bit about the the, the method of 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 how i kind of gained access to this um world because i think of ethnography both as what what you know what we do in order to try to understand people's lives as anthropologists and then also as you say it's very much about a a way of, of writing about that um so the the I mean, the, the, mostly what I did was, um, as an anthropologist who refers to ethnography as really being just deep hanging out. And so that's a lot of what I did was just floating around the office, um, getting as involved as I could, really. So I did a lot of um, talking to people, talking to people as they worked. Also a lot of um, even getting involved in the design processes, getting involved in the in the quits that they did, going to see clients and really just... Um, just following people around and talking to them about what they did and sometimes trying to do that. Um, as, as part of that though the writing really started before I left the field um, So, and more than any other project I've done this was a really collaborative project um, which I think partly is because architects or these architects anyway were so reflective on their own practices and really interested in it and, and aware of it and not always with the time to reflect in as much detail as perhaps they they would like in such a, a busy... Environment. So I wrote pieces which were sort of reflecting on what I was seeing and hearing and then reflected those back and then that also folded into, um, they did uh, a number of interviews they recorded between themselves but often in relation to things that I had observed. Absolutely. So it became a really interesting kind of um, reflective and dialogic um, process and then actually through the writing of the book itself. Um, I think having architects or practicing architects as 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 one of the audiences I hoped to write for was actually really germane to to how I then wrote, so my experience was that initially that i started sharing some of the early drafts of the book and um I think although they were kind of kind and generous in what they said, a lot of the th- it was a fairly conventional academic monograph, and a lot of the theory um which I suppose I'd hoped was kind of where the general and the big points came through actually were what they seem to be really turned off by. So I I then started thinking about, well, how would this look like as a kind of a, an experiment in ethnographic writing that took away, or, or as you say, a lot of it's in footnotes, um, those kinds of interventions in academic literatures, which if you're not already part of that conversation, then probably those are going to be the least interesting parts. So in the sense, it's a very conceptual, I mean, it's, it's a conceptual book in the sense that it comes out of my own reading in and around anthropology, um, engagements with various literatures really. But I, I wanted to sort of turn that round so that it, it was more using concepts to describe in as hopefully as rich mm. a, a possible way. Um and really to bring out the kind of multi-strandedness of this practice. It's it's um, architecture is just about so many things. And yeah. and to tell that story in a kind of a big, hopefully a big human sense, it's not just about knowledge as a sort of domain it's about how that tangles up people's lives in all these really intimate ways which um, and as i've said already was partly that came out of my friendship with thomas mm. as well have you seen that
0: so here i just want to <laughs> say here that for me of course having one foot in both worlds what's really interesting is someone taking in an interest in in who and what and how an architect is in in the world and Um, As an ethnographer, I think we are very interested in ethnography generally because it helps us as architects understand people and the people who might be our clients. So ethnography and anthropology is a way that a lot of architects and sort of academic architects um, write about architecture as well but from an architect's point of view not mm. from a, an ethnographer's point of view so um in a way to me one of the most interesting things was you have this huge range of references from all kinds of architectural figures or figures that are very popular in architecture from mm. richard sennett to to tim ingold you know all of the bit and, and then much more architectural ones jeremy till and and yet it is for us sometimes those unknown anthropologists that are obviously very well known to you that is of a huge fascination as well so and but the way it's referenced it's very easy to get under the skin of it so the layers I feel, do sort of cross over.
1: Yeah, I mean, I hope so. I suppose I had two, two kind of main audiences in mind. Yeah. Well, three really, actually. One one is uh, pract- particularly practising yes. architects, I hope, can yeah. kind of recognise and yeah. see the resonances. And I hope yeah. those resonances go in lots of different
0: ways. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, yeah.
1: But then also, in a way, I kind of conceived that, hopefully somebody who's not an architect you know a, a kind of a, a long-suffering partner or or somebody who yeah, might yeah. be thinking about getting into architecture and well, what's it actually like yeah, you know, yeah that was yeah. the kind of most fundamental question to me what's or clients it? what's it or clients indeed or, yeah, or other we'll, building yeah, professionals so yeah To try and take a stranger into this kind of weird and wonderful world Mm. that is full of all these kind of things that people assume because they just do it, these things that go without saying because they come without saying very often. And the kind of get inside of that common sense, which of course isn't actually common once you start opening it up. It rests on all these assumptions. So to try to tell it in in that way.
0: So, yeah, there are so many people I think that that this book could reference, and maybe I've hijacked it for the more academic kind of uh, side of things than in architecture, which is huge, the way we educate architects you touch on and which can be quite... Uh, painful and draconian but actually we, we've we had a number of discussions about this that actually it can be a really rather wonderful education uh, you know liberating your making, your thinking, mm. um, your learning, um your your problem solving, you know, it's a problem solving, but but it does have his stresses and it's a long it can be a long and stressful education. There's many different types of character teaching, but I think that comes over that um I think a lot that we are a product of our educations as, as well in, in a certain way. I don't know is there anything you want to Yeah, I mean say about I suppose
1: that? there is that kind of vocational ideal. Um, maybe it's a sort of Bauhaus related mm. one and the, the idea that the sort of person has to be deconstructed and reconstructed. Constru- <laughs> and it's a very yeah. it's a sort of a very fundamentally it's a process of self-transformation. And I think uh, in recent Discourses There's often a tendency either to romanticize that mm. uh, or to yeah. completely demonize it. Mm. And I think I wanted to sort of resist saying that necessarily it was about either of those, yeah. but, but to try and trace the different paths that specific people take and how they see their lives as having been changed, you know, through their engagements with architecture. But also the other side to that, I think, you know, peculiarly, certainly unlike more scientific kinds of um, knowledge. Who you are outside of your architecture is actually very central to who you are as an architect. Yeah. And that's partly what's trained in, actually, isn't it? A, a kind of an ability to tell that story in a convincing way for clients, yeah. for other architects and so forth. So that these sorts of self-narration are actually key professional things that you do as architects. So I was, I was interested in that. Um
0: because also an architectural education is quite uh, academic, quite, you know, you do history and theory and uh, uh, many others. And there's, and there's a, a lot of kind of theoretical emphasis put sometimes on projects and uh, as well as practical. And so there is always this, um, you know, kind of or maybe a dialectic, maybe just a much bigger problem of, the, of, uh, of theory and practice together yeah. and, uh, and, and the predominance of one or the other and i think you deal with that in a very interesting way and um and you use your very interesting words of kind of thoughtful practice and i know that became for me a big theme in the book of how you approach your ethnography being a theorist and looking at practice so could we could you sort of say a bit more about that
1: yeah i mean i suppose um so i think i think that's very gratifying to hear that those resonances are there for you and i think for me um not just in architecture but in architecture um that there's a tendency to align theory with thoughtfulness and practice with the kind of process of mere implementation and you kind of get that within the structure of the education that the professional stuff the kind of part three stuff is to kind of unsexy unglamorous it's just procedural but um i guess the way i would see it so i so I hope more generally that the book is trying to recover a sense of the, actually the creativity of those professional mm. practices, including actually quite routine meetings and yeah, dealing yeah. with clients. There's a theorist I like called Donald Shun who talks about the art of the specific case yeah. and the way in which often, in, a, in, in lots of different forms of pre- professional practice, we overlook how much creativity is required to fit sort of abstract ideas into messy, complex, specific mm. realities. Mm-hmm. And where you have all these kind of contradictions and choices that emerge in that sort of fraught, tense, difficult space, and and so yeah, I think wanting to celebrate that and to see, see it not as lesser to theory, but also not opposed to theory. Mm-hmm. Um, so in in some ways, I mean, I sort of imagined the book uh, at one point. Anyway, I don't know if this really works, but a, a, as as a kind of effort to trace what what concepts do, you know, through, through those practices, um, actually within the practice that I was mostly focusing on, they have this bookshelf at the end of the, you know, which has a lot of the kind of canon of architecture mm-hmm. so I was mm-hmm. thinking, well, how is that canon actually internalised, lived put to work and what, what has to happen, it's, very, it's a profoundly creative, profoundly interpretive act, it's not just a process of um, implementation or proceed, sort of procedural process so, yeah I think that's what I wanted to highlight.
0: It's interesting you mentioned Donald Schoen actually. We haven't yeah. talked about this before, but yeah. uh, I think um, he's sort of gone out of fashion a little bit with architects yes. reflecting on their practice. Because I, I'm glad you acknowledge that I think uh, the architectural education is, is necessary reflective practice, but perhaps Donald Schoen, because of the period he was writing more, uh, is less good on architects collaborating that you just talked about and that sort of collaborative way that architects work it's mm. more about the individual creative mm-hmm. process yeah. and uh, and the way that um architects always work in teams and yeah. and you mentioned this as well that yeah. this uh, you know in in the book and and work often in a participatory way when they can when uh, you know uh, as well but something i actually want to say about the book is that um coming from a, an anthropological background reading a lot of the architectural canon of literature i think makes Us as architects look at that literature in a slightly different way. I I, I really found that that I said, oh, really? That's is that what I missed that completely from that architectural reference or whatever you know? And uh, so I think that's really great when non architects are reading. You know, we read other people's literature as architects. I think a lot because in, in in academia, because we need other people because it's such a broad subject. But sometimes we feel that people don't read architecture yeah. literature
1: I think that's one of the great things about... I mean, uh, you know, interdisciplinarity can, can be a bit of a cliche, but actually it's those kind of borrowings and, and misreadings yeah. often as well. Absolutely. Um, uh, can be...
0: So, actually, just, I'm just thinking about that. Would you... Where do you think that... Is this book uh, is, is this book Architects, portraiture and Practices? Is this an architectural canon now or in anthropology, or it's a truly interdisciplinary book?
1: Um, I mean, that's a really good question. I suppose I always think that I'm writing from a place, but... That, that I hopefully I'm not writing to that place. And I think of mm-hmm. that in terms of actually the, the practice, um, uh, which maybe I should say a little bit more about, is yeah. the specific nature of the practice I'm writing yeah. about, but also in terms of my disciplinary um, position. So, I I mean, I've, I tried to read widely in, in, in architecture, in architectural theory, um, but... Fundamentally, I'm engaging with that as an anthropologist, mm. but I hope that I'm not writing for other anthropologists and i I do see this as being an issue, particularly with the kinds of research audit that we have so much in at least in the UK mm-hmm. at the moment that we tend to write for for a disciplinary audience because that's who's assessing our work, and so we we have to map out an intervention in terms of a a disciplinary debate, and if mm-hmm. you're not already part of that debate, you're not part of that canon. Well, you might not care so much about it, so I, this is deeply informed by my engagement with other anthropologists but i'm I'm not primarily writing for other anthropologists no. and I yes. hope so I hope the resonances are kind of there for architects and I hope the resonances are actually just for people beyond that who might be interested in well what's creativity or how do we live a good and true life in a world that makes it really difficult to do that because it's so contradictory.
0: So we haven't got onto that, there. all the subjects yeah. you do cover, yeah. which are as broad as from creativity to the more contractual side of yeah. architectural practice. But just tell us a little bit more of what type of practice you think the practice that you're writing about
1: yeah, so um, Miller-Howard workshop are based um, outside of London, which um, is sig- significant in yeah. you know, a, a context where so much of architecture revolves around the, the London scene, I guess, and they do have a sense of themselves as peripheral, um, although I think that sense of peripherality is not uh, itself not un- uncommon um, in, in terms of, uh, for, for practices outside of London. Um, well, I think they, some in London would even and, and, say that yeah, but, <laughs> yeah. Maybe, maybe a yeah they were around about they had 10 uh, staff when I was doing the research um, they were relatively young practice so the two practice directors were in, in their late 30s at the time of the research um, and they do a kind of mixture of uh, mostly uh, domestic new builds also some sort of smaller public sector pieces of work um, and, th- and their own trajectory is quite interesting it came out of the two practice directors having spent quite a lot of time themselves trying to really connect uh, architecture with with building um, and so they they spent quite a lot of time in their 20s actually um, designing and building things and then, as the scale kind of got bigger, that that it's lost, but um, it—I guess it—it it mm. carries on as a sort of interest in craft and interest in well, how do you work with builders in a kind of collaborative way, and 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 um, and, and also in their kind of interest in the building building practices and, and building as as something that is—it's it, not just what you do once you've kind of got your design, but um, you know, an interest in model making and the kind mm-hmm. of material basis yeah. Of, of, yeah. of ideas, yeah,
0: which. Um, yeah, and I just wanted to um, go back, because we were going to talk about this a bit at the beginning, just go back a bit, that, of course, there have been other ethnographic studies of architects, uh, n- notably, you um, know, recently Albanianava's one, on a, but a much more high profile like architectural practice, yeah. when I think where a lot of the issues were slightly different and, and i think the approach was slightly different wasn't it how, uh, how do you feel you you fit in with these other ethnographic studies of
1: yeah um that? well i mean first of all i should say how kind of inspired and helpful yeah. i found um really all of the there's not a lot of ethnographic yeah. writing no. about uh, about architectural practice itself but but there's a small and growing body of work yeah. that's that's really useful. Um, And I think what all of that does is it it really highlights what actually happens, not what architects say about Mm -hmm. what architecture is, but actually Actually what what they do, what happens in an office or on a site. Um, I guess um, I think mine is maybe a little bit different. It's in conversation with the kinds of science and technology studies approaches that Albana, Geneva um, and others have, have drawn on. But I think it also tries to put that more in conversation with actually an earlier, more sociological body. So I found um, Dana Cuff's work actually really helpful because I think she says a lot more about how architects kind of conceptualise that relationship between their work and their life and the, the kind of vocational ideals and that are behind that. Um, so I've I've found her work really interesting to think with. I don't think much of the existing literature looks at Um, I mean, perhaps partly because it has tended to be enchanted by these bigger, uh, more well-known practices, Um, just the kind of very everyday um, processes, particularly the kind of non-design-related practices. How do you manage a contract? Mm. The endless meetings that happen, you know, meetings are kind of boring, but they're also, I find them really interesting spaces. And so sort of thinking about how actually... How much of architecture is, is also about these kinds of things, and I think trying to perhaps a bit more than other studies to dwell in those kind of quiet moments, those unglamorous moments, and to poetry is probably too grand a word, but to sort of see that the you know actually what is um, important about that and um, and not overlook. Um, those kind of quiet so
0: I suppose how I slightly would translate that in which I think is to me what I, I was picking up from the way you do it it was about the forming of relationships all the time and mm. actually cre- creative architecture um, certainly for me comes out of uh, forming good relationships with other yeah. people whether it's your clients um, whether it's other communities whether it's um, builders hugely important whether it's other consultants mm-hmm. the better relationship you have and better understanding you have and i think that's in those moments so yeah so um the creative moments in meetings is what you say is 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 as important as actually sitting in front of a screen or <laughs> with a model or whatever in that in that early creative process Mm. so you do talk about creativity quite a lot and you bring some really interesting references into that about creativity what are the other really big themes that you think came out of the book
1: i mean i suppose my my overall interest and i think this relates to the stuff about creativity and it relates also more to the practices that, that are about Implementation. So you've got a design, but how do you create a building? Mm. As you say, that's partly about negotiations with builders and with clients, and all those kind of many unpredictable things that can make it not happen or not happen in the way you want it. So, I think a lot of it. I see as being about how do you know in a world that almost infinitely exceeds your ability to grasp it, <laughs> and yeah. and that's not yeah, a, yeah. a peculiar. problem for architects but i think it presents itself in a very pressing form because you're you're in these interstitial spaces unlike a lot of forms of professional practice which actually circumscribe a domain quite narrowly you've got so many elements there's so many elements to a building so many different kinds of experts you're dealing with so it's a sort of this jack of all trades idea or knowing a little about a lot and um and I, I really want to sort of celebrate and highlight um the that that active kind of not knowing which is a sort a kind of i mean not all architects are, are, are modest and humble but i think there is uh you know potentially something in that that you kind of have to be aware of of what you don't know mm. um and and that's not the same as just ignorance actually it's mm. about a really active orientation to the unknown mm. and i think um that's that's something I want to kind of take out of this is, is is that often what architects do is fabricate specific reconciliations to things that are intention fundamentally intention they won't you're not going to resolve it forever and always mm. but you're going to bring about hopefully a good solution that's going to work for the people that you're working mm. for and that's and that's not a small thing even if it's not perfect mm. it's, it can be good yeah. and that can have important consequences um, and and i think also to say that this practice are a, a, you know a, a creative a dynamic a thoughtful practice but in many ways the tensions that they're dealing with are, are, are kind of quite quite widespread ones it's a, a, con- a conservative planning system it's um you know the, all the issues of architectural education the way it is it's the built the building a neo-liberal building industry etc etc and um, yeah, I think I think how you kind of rest a, a, a possible world out of that actual yeah, navigate those your actual way through constraints it constraints yeah. and, and navigate through it. Um,
0: so another subject that's, um, that that really comes to the fore, I think, in your book is uh, um, architects' relationship with history and conservation, um, mm. which, as I say, in this country is particularly conservative or was. I think things are changing now. Mm. And and I think you've written about that before as well, that you came to this book. But um, this practice that you were talking about is operating in an area of the country which has a, a, a lot of historic architecture and, and um, conservation. What, what what are the kind of key things that came out of that for you in this book? Because I, I think there's a lot of lessons to be learned in your writing here. And again, a lot of great references to look up. <laughs>
1: Thanks for yeah. Um, well, I'm interested in the way that um, so the, the, the way in which the past is, I suppose, possibilised mm. through uh, through architecture. So, unlike um, in pre- some previous research I've been doing, I've been looking at more, I um, suppose, sort of rarefied conservation uh, contexts where working with um, conservationists and and these architects are not conservationists, though they're often dealing with listed buildings or buildings in. Um, designated historically designated areas. Um, I mean, I'm interested in how how you project something from a past and and how you h- how one sort of continues from that in a way that doesn't um, just make it kind of ossify, but which which actually kind of. So, so how how is the? I mean, it's so again it's about this relationship between the actual and the possible, really, that I was talking about before. Mm-hmm. But how how does that kind of Refer to an existing set of contexts and constraints, and an existing. So, if, so if you're on a site, you know what which parts of it's always a process of selection. You're never just interested in history. It's particular trajectories that, that get kind of teased out of that. And I think more generally, I'm interested in the, the tensions often between different notions of kind of authenticity. So, the quite routine kind of while well, they're in they're practicing mm-hmm. in the Cotswolds. So local planners want Cotswold stone. Mm. Of course, that rests on an idea or a time when there was a completely different construction industry, when we had stone that was freely available. So what does it mean to practice authentically today Mm -hmm. in in that context, but in a completely different context where um, builders aren't really used to working in stone in the way that they were? There isn't much stone, it's expensive, etc., etc. So I think rightly they're very resistant to the kind of Ersatz version of mm. the Cotswolds, but then what does it mean to practice as a sort of, they use this term, contemporary vernacular, mm. um, which I guess is it's another between space. It's, it's another kind of, well, how do you bring these contradictory things to, together in a hopefully interesting way?
0: Mm. Okay. So, well, maybe is it time to sum up, do you think, or, uh, or finish? Um, well, there's so many things we could talk about this book so many issues, I think. But I think, in a way, perhaps we've covered most of them. Is there anything else? Do you think that?
1: No, I think that's, that's a good, good place to leave it, um, Prue. I mean, I'd, I, I mean, I just like to say that I, I, I suppose for me, this was a sort of act of faith writing this in a sense, without much faith necessarily. <laughs> that it was yeah. for I, I wanted to write for architects, and I hoped that those resonances would be there. So I still. It's kind of early days in that sense, and I, 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 so I'm really interested in your reflections on kind of where and how and whether those resonances yeah. are there, because I didn't, I didn't want to sort of this, this absolutely isn't a book saying this is what should happen, and I suppose maybe that is one of the differences and the kind of freedom I have as an as an anthropologist is I don't have a, a normative agenda. I'm not trying to say architecture should be this or should be that. I'm really just trying to um, witness what witness, what, w- it is. witness yeah. what it is that I see.
0: And I think we can't... Well, I, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, I, to me, I recognise so much of um, not necessarily myself, but often myself, but other colleagues, uh, both in practice, actually, and in academia. I mean, I think this is a book as much for uh, for studying as it is for just reading and enjoying. And, and, uh, and I really appreciate that. I think I said in a review that, um, you know, I think this will be a book that's used. Uh, lots of young architects are really interested in their dissertations to be writing about some issues that that, that, that you've written about in here sort of from an anthropologist's point of view. But I think in the world generally, I mean, in the sort of political situation we're in, the, the bigger agendas here of you discussing professionalism and what it is to know and, and what it is to be in the position you know architects role has changed over the years as we all know you know we're not necessarily the lead in you know in the whole building process anymore um the way we we haven't actually discussed the whole digital side of drawings on the computer versus drawing and modeling off the computer which is discussed a lot in the book um which is really interesting so i think uh, you're right when you say this but i think this book could be read uh, by many different People, lay people just interested in architects, but also other professions and other, you know, we've looked before to other ethnographic studies of other professions, particularly the medical profession. Mm. There's quite a lot written about things like that. And so I think in many different ways, this book adds to trying to understand how architects operate, which we need to do to ensure you know the profession which you know can feel quite beleaguered sometimes mm. you know an awful lot of the built environment is built without architects and uh, uh, architects like many like all the other professions are under criticism and under scrutiny a lot of the time particularly you know in the at present um, you mentioned it's sort of neoliberal environment we live in you know how useful are we and uh, and so I just want to say thank you very much for the huge amount of effort you've put into this. This book which I think has been um, uh, and will be very well and is being very well received and I thoroughly recommend anyone to read it um, to understand a bit more about who we are as architects.